Asker International School opened its doors in 2013 with just 35 students. Today, we have almost 400. We're still a small school, but with a big voice. This is our podcast, Uplift Ed. A podcast created by Asker International School for anyone passionate about pedagogy. I'm your host, Mr. Mark. In this episode, I'm joined by Robert Brown, the principal of Asker International School. Robert has been principal at the school since its inception in 2013. Previously, he has been an IB workshop leader, deputy principal, musician, and more. Now, Robert is clear in his message to the school community that the school must be a safe, caring, collaborative community which operates through mutual respect and trust. One of his key approaches to ensuring the school environment is representative of this message is the need for pre-correction. Uh, welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I have to be honest here, when I initially came across the term pre-correction in relation to behaviour, my mind immediately made connections with the term correctional facility, which <laughs> in simple terms is a prison. Now, I'm assuming this is not what pre-correction is about. No, most definitely not. It's quite the opposite, actually. I think traditionally... Um, there, there was a strong focus on developing the academic side of a child in isolation and progressively we see uh, changes in school systems where there's more of a focus on the holistic development of children and consequently pre-correction is essentially a very simple strategy that teachers can implement to um, steer behaviour in the desired direction in a classroom and in a school environment in general. This steering of behaviour you mentioned, it comes prior to the start of an activity rather than as a response to unacceptable behaviour. So rather than a focus on consequences, the focus is on the clarity of the expectations? Exactly. I think there's an opportunity for teachers to develop and implement this strategy. There's a very big focus in schools on correctional uh, steps that are taking place after behaviour has gone in the wrong direction teachers have a tendency to rely very much on the universal consequences for behaviour rather than looking for opportunities to develop the correct behaviour in the classroom environment. Traditionally, I think we have a tendency to expect students to come into a classroom and a school environment, walk the corridors with the correct attitude, the correct mindset, the correct approach all the time, and we don't necessarily take enough time to address this and ensure that students are properly equipped to make the right decisions at the right time in the right fashion. So pre-correction is, what, what I like about pre-correction the most is, is it's a very, very simple tool to implement. It's one of the biggest concerns for teachers is when introducing strategies is the, the more demanding an intervention is in teacher time, the more likely the perception of its inefficacy is going to be. I think if teachers see a simple strategy that's easy to implement, there's less of an argument to say why they shouldn't be doing it and why they can actually be implementing it in the classroom. It's needed very much, not just in the classroom itself, but walking through the corridors in and around the school environment. Progressively, we're more responsible for student behaviour, both inside the school and outside the school, especially in Norway. We're responsible for their behaviour going to and from the bus stops. We're responsible for their behaviour when they go into shops. So more and more, there's this pastoral uh, requirement for a teacher uh, to make sure they're facilitating students on a day-to-day basis. Well, there is that phrase, that assumption is the mother of all mistakes. And what you're suggesting here is that pre-correction eradicates this idea of teachers having assumptions about how, how children will behave in their lessons. 
Absolutely. And it's a very simple talking point is when you when you implement something in the classroom or you, or you unload a concept with students that you take the time just to discuss with them what the expectations are. Sometimes I talk to teachers, they say, well, the students know what I expect of them in the classroom. But the fact of the matter is, how do you know that? That's an assumption that's being made on a day-to-day basis. It takes very little time and very little effort to walk through the expectations for a specific activity with students to ensure that when any corrective measure is needed after the fact, that the students understand exactly what they've done wrong and they understand what potentially what the consequences for that choice is. And it minimizes and reduces quite significantly the likelihood of students making these choices in the classroom. Okay, so what I'm hearing here are two main phrases or two ideas is we should keep behaviour strategies simple and provide reminders. Now, these are phrases which seem to echo the message Paul Dix presents in his best-selling book, When the Adults Change, Everything Changes. Now, Paul is extremely vocal about the need for simple strategies and the need to teach and reteach expected behaviours, especially when students have lessons by more than one teacher, which applies to both the PYP and NYP at Aska International School. But these reminders, so to speak, have always been part of the classroom, but we've often been used to tie as targeted intervention as opposed to the norm uh, for all children. Exactly. We've seen an awful lot of times these kind of behavioural measures were put in place for students. They were focusing on students that had already pre-identified behavioural problems or learning disabilities, and they didn't focus that much on students in the general population. Consequently, uh, there was oftentimes a, a greater amount of instances of, of the incorrect behaviour being demonstrated in the playground, in the, in the classroom itself. So let's take a specific example of a typical situation in a classroom. All the kids are about to use their Chromebooks. What would pre-correction look like in this situation? I'm glad you touched off internet and IT use because that's one of my biggest bugbears. A simple case would be with the Chromebook, we'll be describing the task in hand. So say for argument's sake you wanted them to use a specific web page, website, Britannica for example, which is a reliable source. You'd you'd stipulate clear or through the form of inquiry you might ask questions, what websites uh, or applications you're going to utilise for this activity, get the students to voice it off and they confirm rather than you dictating Um, half the students not tuning in consequently and then you ask them for example how are you going to use this how are you going to interface with this device Uh, what's acceptable behavior what's unacceptable behavior and the more you repeat that activity with the students the more likely that they're going to demonstrate that chosen behavior in the classroom I have students that I've been teaching for several years and when they walk up and ask me I still unpack the same expectations I pre-correct with them as I would with a student who I haven't taught before because it ensures that we have a common understanding, an unwritten agreement of what uh, expectations have been laid down and how they're going to interact. And you mentioned earlier how this strengthens the ability to challenge the students afterwards if they misuse or behave in a certain way which previously has been deemed as kind of unacceptable. Absolutely, and I find it... The words are not necessary sometimes when I'm talking to students after they've demonstrated incorrect behaviour in the classroom. If I have pre-corrected them effectively and worked well with them and communicated effectively in the classroom prior to them engaging in an activity prior to walking through the 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 school grounds prior to walking through the hallways if they're if i identify or i see them doing something inappropriate a look will suffice because they understand exactly how their choices were poorly made now it's interesting that a significant amount of teacher training does not focus on behavior management strategies 
I remember all too well we reiterated that to avoid poor behaviour, all we had to do was plan and deliver great lessons. And by doing so, everything would be fine and dandy in the classroom. Uh, what do you say to that? I don't think any educator walks into a classroom with the intention of delivering a poor lesson. Uh, I don't think any educator walks into a classroom wanting or wishing for poor behaviour. There is a tendency where teachers will turn to retreatism if they find that they cannot address behaviour effectively. I think the the problem is that people think if they put in enough work into constructing a lesson plan that that in itself will ensure success. Uh, unfortunately, when I see teachers, I've seen teachers putting hours and hours and hours into creating differentiated content, labeling it out and laying out in different tables, and then the students don't uh, engage in the material in the way the teacher assumed they would. And that's the underlying fact is that the assumption was made that students would interact with the material that was presented to them and consequently the teacher isn't equipped to address that and that they spend an awful lot of time trying to readdress this uh, behavior as the class is taking place and then that's time that's not spent on differentiating it's time that's not spent on answering relevant questions or students working on the topic at hand so i think the problem is the assumption that teachers make, the assumption that students understand what's expected of them, that they understand what the that the school's disciplinary procedure and, and rules have been laid out clearly and therefore the students should automatically adhere to them. I guess also that if all the teachers are engaging in pre-correction, there is a level of consistency that's taking place right throughout the school. One would hope so. I think teachers have the opportunity to to use their own sense of flair and approach. I think it's we need to personalise our classroom and personalise our approach with students. One of the fundamental problems I see is that teachers don't really understand or know their children in the classroom and then consequently it can be very difficult to have that conversation because they don't feel comfortable in how they interact and how they talk and how they work with them. And it, it's very difficult to square that circle because that comes down to personality to a said degree. But ultimately the principle of asking questions about expectations is something that could be standardized in a classroom environment and finally what advice would you give to a teacher new to teaching about how to begin the process of using pre-correction i think i fall back in that acronym the kiss keep it simple stupid and as much as possible you you really start with something that you know you can effectively implement in all your lessons the danger i see is that teachers go in guns blazing and spend hours preparing one lesson and if it does or doesn't go well they find themselves exhausted by the amount of investment they had to make to 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 ensure that that was successful i think the most important thing to do is to implement small measures and small steps that they can implement in every single lesson and every single day as they go through the school so consistency is the key and i think it can be something very very simple we're talking about simple lines of, of inquiry or questioning to ensure the students understand what the expectation is. Start with group work, for example. We do group work in the classroom on a day-to-day basis, whether it's pairs or group or whatever the case may be. Simply focus in and hone in on that particular area and ask questions about how students should be interacting, how they should be communicating, what is acceptable in a classroom environment. And that, in turn, answers the question of what's not acceptable rather than focusing on the negative. It's implied. So I think if teachers do that on a day-to-day basis, when they finally meet that kind of level of success and they see the success rate of it, because it is successful, it can't be argued, 
then they will be more likely to implement it in different areas of their practice and also look at their role as a teacher holistically so they can actually start implementing this as they uh, move through the school environment, as they're going to and from their car, that we see that level of consistency and approach in their teaching practice holistically. Right, because behaviour management strategies are in themselves synonymous with teaching strategies. It's, it's a necessity. For example, we're talking about pre-correction. Well, pre-correction can't really be looked at without thinking about uh, the teacher's behaviour and how they conduct themselves, that positive, that positive supervision stance that's, that teachers are looking at proactively when they come to supervision, because supervision has a tendency of being passive in nature. Sometimes we see this, that people think by just simply standing there, they'll do what's needed when it comes to ensuring the, the correct behavior is demonstrated in the school environment. But they have to be positive, they have to be proactive. So these strategies that we implement, they have to work hand in hand with everything else we do. They can't be observed in isolation, otherwise they won't be successful. Robert, thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Uplift Ed is an Asker International School production, a small school with a big voice. Thank you for listening.